remain standing with me this time. If you have a Bible, you're invited to open it at this time to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen for you. For the fall, we've been opening every sermon with this image of the church, this beautiful image of devotion. And I just want to read this over you, read this over us this morning. This is the beauty that you and I in this church aspire to. Starting in verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. May God bless this word. You may be seated at this time. Well, good morning, church. It is always extremely good to be with you. I want to begin today with a, a quick pastoral note um, by just my, from myself and my family saying thank you. Um, I, I was out last week, and uh, what I've learned is in busy seasons, uh, every fall or every spring, I try to be out one weekend just to kind of freshen up. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I have a unique role where um, my family is really important. Um, if my family is not doing well, if, if I'm not leading, well, right now it's just my wife. We have a kid on the way, but it's about to be three of us, so it's kind of us, you know. But um, I have to lead us well. And so one of my job kind of requirements is I just have to have a good family and I have to have close relationships. And so. Occasionally we get away, we remove ourselves, uh, we love going to church every Sunday, we actually go even when we're out of town somewhere else, but um, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be absent sometimes and just to, to freshen up. It's been such a good season and it was so cool because this past time was one of the first times I've ever gotten away when like I didn't feel burned out, like it was just like a preventative measure of feeling great, feeling good, but... I'm human, and so eventually, you know, I, I drive pretty hard, and I, I know I'm, I'm always pushing us to do something new, and I'm pushing myself, and so, as I often say, I remove myself as much for your benefit as for mine, you know, um, but just thank you. Uh, it was such an encouraging time for us to get away, to connect with each other, to, to go to church, um, and just be able to sit with my wife and hold her hand through the sermon. It was a really, really cool time, and so I just want to say thank you for that, for, for investing in me. I really believe that if we invest in one another, I think God's going to do something really special here. Um, God has, has grown this church the past couple years. It, it's been a, a wonderful work. There, there's so much unity and peace in this body. There's, a, there's an enthusiasm when we gather on mornings like this, and, and it's because I think we're truly looking out for one another, and so I just want to be authentic and and open with you in that, and just say thank you for, for letting me get away and, and freshen up. Uh, and as many of you know, last week, uh, James Yandel preached, and uh, some of you have noticed he's been preaching more frequently, and uh, from a long time ago, we just noticed that he actually had the gift of preaching, right? And so we want to build that up, and I, when he preaches, it allows me on weeks to kind of handle a lot of administrative things or counseling things that I might not have the time to otherwise. Uh, but also, even in my role as a, as a pastor, it's not just my role to to, to preach from the pulpit, but to train up other people who can do it also. And so 
Um, it's healthy for me to be gone for a week and for everything to go on just as normal. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And so we as the elders of the church, myself and Joe Garner and Justin Fleming, uh, we see that gift in him and we affirm that gift. And uh, it's a benefit to us. He helps guide the pulpit and where we're going. We're just pulling in people who have those gifts and we're, we're drawing them in and we're building them up. And so uh, continue to encourage him as he preaches to you. Uh, we want to build a preaching team here. Um, even though I, I do love to preach, and I think you, you know that. But as we begin our, our devoted series um, for this morning, we're on week six, right? And I don't know what it is, but every week it just feels like, man, this is like the most important week, right? Like I amp myself up the whole week to preach these sermons. And so I want to give you a brief recap before we dive in, because really all of this does play together, because we're looking at what are like the 10 most basic marks of devotion in the life of a Christian. And so... Um, we, we started week one by saying a Christian is devoted to believing the gospel above everything else, all right? God loves us, Christ has died for us, life is good, we are new creations in Christ, and we believe that over everything we believe, every circumstance, every emotion, there's a lot of stuff we believe in this world, we believe the Texans are having a rough season, and that is a true belief, but even that belief should be submitted under our belief in the gospel, right? Like everything we believe is, is kind of subject to that. And then in week two, we said someone who's a, a follower of Christ is devoted to the Bible. We, we read the Bible because it's God's word. And then week three, we said that a disciple is someone who prays. Like we go up the mountain to meet with God because he hears us. Week four, we looked at we, how we are devoted to discipleship, meaning we're, we're reading and praying, but then our life begins to reflect the life of Jesus the more we get to know him. We are devoted to becoming more like him and walking the Jesus path. Last week, James gave a great sermon saying that we are devoted to love, that if you are a Christian, you have devoted your life to loving God and to loving people, to be a loving force in this world. Love is a nice idea, but it's something that should bleed through to our actions. And today in week six, we come to this idea, and I'm so passionate about this, that a disciple of Jesus is devoted to the local church. There is one church that is meeting right now and at different days of the week all throughout the world. And all churches that profess Christ as the Savior are, are the church. And yet all of us, because it'd be hard for us to attend a church in Australia or Brazil or, you know, wherever we might be, uh, we come together here in this place. This is our local expression of the church. And so we do things in a way that kind of relates with our community, right? This aesthetic, if you look at this, right, it kind of fits what people in this community kind of like, right? We do everything. We, we try to reach people and we, we want to share the gospel with them and remove every hindrance outside of the gospel for people hearing the name of Jesus. We're a local expression of the church. And for those of us that claim to walk with Jesus, we are devoted to the local church, which is the family of God. When you are born, the second that you're born, you immediately enter a family, right? I've got a kid on the way, right? My wife is pregnant. And when my kid's born, we're not going to get a committee together and vote as to whether or not that kid is my child. It just kind of is, right? And for better or for worse, like, like we're, we're in this together, right? President Obama doesn't have to affirm that this is truly my son or my daughter, we don't know yet, by the way, that wasn't like a, that wasn't, we have no idea. And in the Christian life, it's the same way. 
When you become a Christian, God calls you out of the world and immediately into the church. Or I guess you could say, there's no singleness period in the Christian life, right? There's not like you get saved and then you're kind of not really a part of the church, kind of dating around, you know. You might be looking at churches, but you are a part of the church. You are saved out of the world and into the family of God. And how beautiful this is that in a world of loneliness and pain, we, we struggle with stuff that God has given us a family. This morning, if you are a believer in Jesus, God has given you a family. It's you and it's me walking in this together. That you and I are brothers and sisters, and Scripture refers to God as our Father. How amazing is that, that God reveals himself to us as our loving father. And you are my brothers and sisters, and I am your brother. And as I open the Bible today, and as I teach you from the scriptures, I'm like your your brother who wants the best for you and who is encouraging you in the Christian life. And we come together in this moment, in this time, because we are devoted to one another. We are devoted to the local church. And yet I want to begin today by asking one simple question. Where did the church come from? Where did the church come from? If we're going to talk about it, right, we should talk about where it came from. Who knows who founded the church? You want to blurt out the answer? Jesus. There we go. The answer is always Jesus, right? I love it when the answer is Jesus. If you have your Bible, turn me to Matthew 16 real quick. Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. I'm going to take you to the first place in all of the Bible where the word church is mentioned. We're going to talk about the original language and what it means. We're going to look at when, the way that Jesus says it and the context of which he says it. We're going to begin today before we define what it is. We want to talk about where it came from. So in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, we're going to read a passage. And you're going to hear the first time the word church is mentioned in all of the Bible. Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. So Jesus is walking with his disciples and he's doing ministry. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples or his followers, who do people say the son of man is? He says, who do people say that I am? And his disciples said, some say John the Baptist, which would have been a compliment. Others say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. That would have been a really good thing. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Where did the church come from? Who built the church? Jesus built the church. Jesus began the church. The church is Jesus's idea. It wasn't a bunch of smart people in a room together brainstorming, hmm, how do we really effectively carry on the ministry of Christ? And some guy said, I know, we'll call this thing the church and we'll get together. No, no, that's not how it happened. Jesus, before this thing was even a thing, said on you, Peter, on your gospel faith, on your belief, I will build my church. 
And so when we walk with the church, even though it has issues and it has flaws and we don't like everything about it because the church is a people who are sinful and imperfect and we're all just trying our best in this life, right? To walk with the church is to walk with this thing that Christ began. For you and I to walk away from the church, for for you and I to devalue the church is not to devalue me. I'm just a servant of Christ, right? It's not to devalue White Oak. It's to walk away from the thing that Christ died to give us. I know that family relationships can be difficult. I know that Christmas get-togethers aren't usually as magical as the Hallmark Channel may portray them to be. It's a lot more like Christmas vacation, if you know what I mean, you know, and Thanksgiving and Christmas and, you know, your, your aunt burnt the turkey and, you know, it's just, you know, we're, you know, we're coming up on that season, right? There's, there's drama, someone's being mean to somebody, it's just a, man, it's a, and, then, and then you get all that in one house, right? And it's like real hot and real stuffy and it just smells like stuffing everywhere. It's like, that's family, Right? And the church is kind of like that. We come together and we do our best with the music and we do our best with the preaching and we do our best with the aesthetic and we do our best with the small groups and the organization and we do a pretty good job, but we're not perfect, but we just come together because you know what? We're family. And because Jesus gave us this family to sojourn and to walk through this life with. And of all of the organizations in the world and all the good causes in the world, For the past 2,000 years, we're the only consistent organization that has held up the gospel for all people to have salvation, for all people to have a new and fresh life for those who believe in Christ. We are the ones that carry this message forward. That's what we do. In fact, that's about all we do. There's a lot of good organizations and a lot of good nonprofits in the world, a lot of good causes, and yet we are the bearer of the gospel. If you go on to that Matthew 16 text, after he says, Peter, on you I will build my church, he says, and, and I will give you the keys to heaven, is what he says. As if like you and I have the keys to heaven. We have some special message that enables people like you and me who are imperfect to live in the kingdom of God for all eternity. We are the bearer of this message. And yet what I thought was really cool this week as I was looking over this, if you go back to that text of Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20, I don't know if you see this, but you do know that, like, you are in this. Like, you might have just read over it and thought, okay, this is Jesus and Peter and the disciples 2,000 years ago. Like, you don't realize, like, 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 you could trace your entire spiritual lineages back to right here. Because think about it. Who told you about Jesus? Maybe it was your family, maybe it was a friend, maybe someone in the church. And then I wonder who, like, told them. And then I wonder who told them. And then I wonder who told them. Like, do you realize that literally your spiritual lineage can logically be traced all the way back to this moment, right here, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus said to Peter, and on this gospel belief, on you, Peter, on what you say that I am, I will build my church, that all of us in this room, like this church could trace its lineage all the way back to Matthew chapter 16. If we knew everything, we could say, well, this church planted this church, and this person told this person, and you could trace it all the way back. You are literally a part of the lineage of the church that Jesus built in this moment. That's amazing. So Jesus builds the church. 
But what is the church? What was Jesus building? In the dictionary online, uh, one of the definitions for church is literally a, a, a sacred religious building. A lot of people see the church as, as, a, as a building, and I would say that, that that's not true. Another modern definition of church that you've probably heard a lot is church just means Christians. When I say church, people think, well, that's just Christians. That's kind of like a collective term for all Christians, and yet I would argue Christians is the collective ch- term for all Christians, okay? Uh, it doesn't just mean a generic, oh, I'm a part of the church, oh, I'm a Christian, so therefore church. I mean, that church wants and we're going for a devotion here. Another modern idea of church is just Christians talking in community, maybe at a coffee shop, maybe in a living room, and that's great, that's community, there, there, there's connection here, there, and, except I think within the church, oftentimes from, the, old, from the, the New Testament, what Jesus founded here to First and Second Timothy to Acts, you begin to see the church has like, it's kind of like an organization, like there's, there's leaders and there's elders, and we observe baptism and, and communion, we, we help people in need. We proclaim the gospel. There's always some guy standing up and yelling at everybody in a sermon or something, right? The book of Acts, there's like 12 sermons. There's 12 sermons literally in the book of Acts. Peter gives six of them. I think John and Philip give three each. I mean, it's a lot of guys standing up, opening the Bible, and just preaching the same thing that we're doing right now. And yet the word church actually means, in in the original language, the called out ones, uh, the word, uh, it's, it's the word ekklesia. You've probably heard that word before. Ekklesia is the original word for the called out ones. It comes from the verb kaleo, which means to call, and ek, which means out of. And so when the authors would, would have written this, they would have been saying that the church was, that Christ was, was, was using this language of like, you are the called out ones that now live for my glory. You have seen the way that I've lived. You've seen the things that I've done. And I'm calling you out of the world and into this. The, the word church simply means the called out out ones. And so I'm going to do my best at a definition here. Give me some grace here. Uh, I actually looked in the Bible for like a perfect definition of church, and and there's really not one. So um, for our purposes today, I'm going to say that the church is a gospel-transformed people that walk together for the glory of God. That the church is a gospel-transformed people that walk together for the glory of God. Of God. By gospel transformed, I mean that we are holy. And I, I really want to say something on this this morning because I had a couple experiences this week that, man, really just brought this into to reality for me. Um, in, fa- in, in the sense that as a church now, we're just, we're just different, and that's okay. We don't want to be arrogant. We, we don't want to be unloving. We don't want to be, you know, constantly picketing everything, right? We, we, just want to, we just want to follow Jesus. We want to share the gospel with people. We want to be faithful to him in the ways that we, we need to be. And we just need to accept that, look, we're going to be a lot different from the world going forward. And that's okay, right? We're going to be a humble and loving example. I was in Austin, Texas uh, this past weekend. And so, of course, you know where this is going, right? Um, I was in Austin, Texas, and uh, there's this really amazing spring called Barton Springs Pool. It's kind of like a public or private pool. And um, it's amazing. It, it's, a, it's a pool that's actually fed by a natural spring. And so it's like super cold. And I have this theory that like there's parts of your soul that only awaken when you dive into like extremely cold natural water. It's, it, it makes you feel alive in a way that you don't normally feel. And so I hate it, but I love it, right? Like, I, I, it takes me, like, 30 minutes to, like, talk myself into jumping in, but then once I do it, I feel like this, like, amazing rush of just life and energy. It's so amazing. 
So I went to this pool and my wife and I, we went and swam in it and we got out and we're, we're laying in this perfect, like picturesque, like little grassy lawn next to the, the pool and everybody's playing and it's a wonderful, beautiful time and it was just so special, right? And then I, I, I fell asleep on this grassy hill and I, and I wake up and, uh, you know, when you wake up, you're not really sure, am I thinking reality or am I still asleep? You know, it's kind of one of those moments, right? Uh, you're not used to waking up in like a beautiful place, right? You're used to waking up in your bedroom, right? And so I wake up like outside in nature and it's this crazy feeling and I, and I sit up and I look over in the corner and, and I saw something that like uh, I, I had never seen before in public. I, I, I look over and I literally see um, a, a woman topless at like a public pool. I mean, and, and I looked, and I, I didn't want to look, but then I was like, I was like, is this, is this, is this real? And so I woke up, I'm like, Halsey, Halsey, wake up, wake up, wake up. So she wakes up, you know, and I'm like, Halsey, like, is, do, do you notice anything over, over here? I'm like, do you notice anything? And she's like, uh, no, I'm like, are you sure? She's like, no, I'm like, do you notice a woman that doesn't have a shirt on? She's like, she sees a shirt, no, she has a shirt on. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty positive, I know what I saw. And so she starts looking a little further, she's like, oh my goodness, that girl has no shirt on. And then right next to her, there's this guy. And when I say guy, I don't mean like, you know, a guy that looks like he's, you know, on drugs or something. Like a normal guy in his late 20s is laying out next to this pool, like a natural spring pool, just naked. <laughs> in the grass. I'm like at Woodstock out of nowhere, you know. It's like, what, what is this? And the, the craziest part about it wasn't that there's like these two people that are basically naked at this public pool, but like nobody around him has an issue. Like it's, it's just it's like another day in Austin, right? Like I'm like, I, like, like I'm like, well, do we say, like, is, anyway, so we, we go on to find out that, that that's like legal now. Like apparently you can't, man, like, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm only like, you know, in my 20s. I'm like, man, the world has just changed so much, you know, I just can't, I can't handle all this, you know? And it was just kind of like that moment. I was like, man, like, I think going forward as like the church, like, we're just going to be different. Like, you know, I'm not going to advise any of you go out naked in public, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to recommend you do that. I'm, I'm going to say you probably shouldn't, you know. I'm, I'm not going to do that, you know. And, and I just think going forward, there, there just seems to be this... Um, this, this divide, and I don't mean like a violent divide, I just mean like, 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 it just feels like in the past several years, like the church has kind of gone this way, and, and the, the culture has kind of gone this way, and, and now it's like, it, it's even sometimes hard to believe some of the things that we believe and try to follow Jesus, because people will say that like, you know, I'm, I'm hateful, or I don't like certain people because of the things that I believe, and, and yet, I just think as a church, it's, we just have to embrace that, not arrogantly, not violently, but just and hang out with us, come to church on Sundays, gather weekly with us, uh, just practice presence. Um, you know, I, I, I went to my friend's house once uh, when I was in middle school, and I would have dinner with his family kind of frequently, and uh, I realized that um, one of uh, his siblings wasn't there ever when we ate dinner. And one day I asked him about it. I said, hey, is your sibling like off in boarding school or something? Or, or, or where's this person? You know, and he's like, no, he just is in his room. He, he doesn't really like eating with the family. And I remember that was so odd. I remember thinking to myself like, that, that's, that's weird, you know. 
And when we gather together here in the church, we, we kind of go, come just to, uh, just to take a spiritual meal together. We, we gather in this place for an hour and a half a week just to love on each other. Like, like your presence here is so encouraging to us. Just the fact that you show up is such a ministry to the leadership of this church who plan services and organize things for you. We, we don't do these things because on the day of, we've already learned it. I, I've, at this point, I've already gotten my sermon down. I've already learned the application. I've been studying it all week. Like in this moment, we're, we're, we're loving you by, by teaching you and encouraging you to godliness and a life of holiness. Practice presence with, with everybody that you want to love. The best thing you can do is just to show up just to be there, just to be consistent and to be regular. One of the best things that my parents, like honestly, ever did for me in my entire life was they just taught me the value of like every Sunday morning, we go to church, right? You go to school and you, you go to your job. You know, we work jobs 40 hours a week and we always show up and we're always on time and, and church for an hour and a half a week, man, we just, we just show up and we, we gather. And you begin to love it. You, it begins to become part of your life. It becomes part of the rhythm of everything that you do. And even as, as parents, I, I can't wait for my kid to be born so I can bring them into this community and teach them what I was taught that, that you gather with the church. Because, man, you can, you can get education right and you can get, you know, all this stuff right. But if, if you don't get Jesus right, like, you don't get anything really. We can have all the money in the world. We can have everything the world has to offer and still be discontent. And Jesus says, if you seek the kingdom first, all of those things will be added unto you. I love you guys, and I want to gather with you weekly. I want to encourage you to, to practice presence among us. The best thing I can do for my marriage is to walk closely with the community, to walk closely with the church. The church is a time where we come to get equipped and we, we learn and we, we grow together. We open the scriptures together. And it, it's in this community where all of our beliefs about everything become reality, right? And James, I loved how James said it last week. Like, love is a really good idea. And if you ever tried to, like, love somebody, right? Then you get married and you're like, oh, my goodness. This is, like, not the smoothest. It doesn't look like the notebook. Like, it's not like that, you know? And it's easy to have all these ideas of, of what church is, and yet it's hard to like gather on a, on a weekly basis, right? It's, it's hard to, to get the kids in the car and they're screaming. It's hard because, you know, you're feeling convicted because you like yelled at your wife before the service or, you know, you, you feel like you just messed it up all week and you just want a day to relax. And community is a nice idea. But when it gets messy, that's when it begins to change you and transform you and form you into the image of Christ. It has been through my, my, my struggles and relationships that I've become a better man. It's not been by thinking about it a lot and, and hypothesizing about what community really kind of is. So practice presence. Number two, aim to be a contributor. And this is not about money. I want to be very clear. This is not about money. Um... One of the things I've always tried to do, and I think, I, think, I think Christ does this, is like everywhere I go, I try to be a positive influence when I step into a room. I try to add more peace than I do tension. I try to be a person who's more of a, a financial plus than a negative, right? I try to be someone that's encouraging and not discouraging, right? I try to put people at ease and to love them and not to put them on edge or, or judge them. And this is a good life principle that I think comes directly from the life of Christ that's not even the church. I mean, at your school, at your place of work, everywhere you go, be a contributor, right? Give and serve and, and be the person that like when you walk in the room, everyone's like, okay, good, this person's here. 
Everywhere you go, be a contributor. And, and the same thing in the church. Be a contributing person, like, like gather with us and be a, be a positive person. Go around and encourage people and ask how their week has been. Be a contributor. Be someone who, who maybe gives more financially than you consume financially. Be, be a contributor. Lay, lay your life down for the body, for the betterment. That's what it means to be devoted. Aim to be a contributor. Give more ministry and time in ministry than you receive in ministry. We all have broken seasons, and, and that's okay. I, I've, I've had seasons in my life where I have definitely taken, I feel like, a lot more from the church than I've given. That's why I say aim, because sometimes you can't. Sometimes life's falling apart. Sometimes your marriage is on the rock. Sometimes your, your kids are going crazy. Sometimes those things happen, and you need ministry. You need people to come around you. But always aim to give more than you receive. And this is the last thing, number three, and we'll close the service. Be holy as you go about your week. This is a simple, beautiful, and practical thing. Whether we like it or not, man, like, pastors having affairs throughout the history of the church and scandals with the Pope and, you know, people being judgmental. We, we can talk against it all we want, but those things reflect on us. It's like we can do a million good deeds and yet one person falls and all of a sudden we're all a bunch of hypocrites. One of the best things you can do for the church is everywhere you're at, just be holy just be like Christ. Take what you're learning here and apply it at your place of work. Be, be just and loving in all of your dealings. Be holy. Be holy. Let people know that you are a part of the church, that you love and that you follow Jesus, and then just love them regardless of how they respond to you. Be holy throughout your week. I mean, come here and be holy, and, and of course, if you feel great, that's awesome, but, but when you leave this place, as you gather with us and as we, as we send you back out into your week to parenting and to jobs and to, and to all the things and the friendships, yeah, like be holy as Christ is holy. Give the church a beautiful name. Show how we are different and distinct and set apart for the glory of God. I'll close with a story real quick. I, um, I was trying to apply this this week as I was preparing this sermon um, and it always encourages me when I apply it and it, and it like, God moves in powerful ways because then I get up here and I'm like, this is, like, seriously, like, legit. And uh, I was praying about this, be holy. So, like, even when I'm not at church, I'm trying to, to be like Christ. I'm trying to model him and to imitate him in all ways, right? So I was, maybe Thursday, I was praying with a group of people and I prayed that I would have the opportunity to meet somebody that week who I could share the gospel with, Right? Because, uh, you know, we talk about it, but I was like, I want a real person, like a real human in the flesh that I can tell, right? And so I prayed about that. And you know how it is. You pray, and you're like, okay, well, we'll see what happens, you know. Maybe, maybe in three months or something, God will answer this prayer in his time frame. And I kid you not, um, literally four hours later, I'm sitting at home on my couch, and there's a ring at my door. And I go to answer the door. And there's this really nice guy standing there, right? And, uh, you know, I didn't know what he wanted. I said, oh, hey, what's up, man? He's kind of about my age. And um, he's, oh, I, I just want to come introduce myself to you. I just moved in next door. I said, um, oh, cool. I was like, awesome, man. Like, like where are you from? So I'm from, you know, where he's is from. And uh, so I kind of tell him a little bit about myself. And then it got to the awkward question where he's like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I'm a pastor. You know, it's always kind of weird. And it's always, kinda, you know, it's kind of a conversation killer, you know? And uh, I try to embrace it. And, um, and so I'm like, I'm like, I'm a pastor. He's like, oh, cool. He's like, I'm an, he's like, I'm an atheist. I'm like, 
glad to hear it, man. I'm cool. I said, and like, and, and it was, it was, we were just like so cordial. It was, it was great, you know? And like, and I'll be honest, I didn't have a, a moment in there to, 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 you know, to share with him because he was, he was heading off, you know, but it was just like, like God has now brought somebody into my life who I can love. <laughs> it's like I'm praying an atheist shows up at my door, my front door that day, four hours later. And one of the best things that you can do for the church is just to be holy throughout your week. Just, just, just try to do all this stuff on your own. And if you fail, it's okay. Come back here. We'll pick you up. We'll dust you off. We'll train you up. And we'll send you back out. That's what the church is. Because we are a gospel-transformed people who walk together for the glory of God. And we're devoted to this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for uh, this ability to, to gather in this room. God, I thank you that every person that, that came this morning, that, God, it's not easy to get up and to, to get the kids ready and, and to get, gather in the room. We, we've all had different kinds of week, and yet, God, the people in this room, they just saw fit to gather with the church. Lord, I pray you bless them for that. God, we know that all the things that we try to do, ultimately, you are lovingly guiding us in those things. And so as we try in our best efforts to be devoted to the church, would you send us your Holy Spirit, the power that we need to love one another to the extent that you've called us to love one another. God, I pray if there's someone in this room and maybe they're not really familiar with the church, they don't know much about it, they don't know much about Jesus, I just pray that you would let them know how deeply you love them in your heart. I pray for people in this room who are kind of wondering what that next step is in their involvement with the church or, or what that looks like. I just pray that you would let them know through, through this community, God, what that looks like. But in all things, will we not forget as we organize and as we mobilize things that the, the main goal is to love God and to love people and that's the business that the local church is in. May we be faithful in Northwest Houston, God. May White Oak be faithful. May every person sitting in this room be faithful this week to, to, to leave this place, to, to reemerge into the world. And would you give them the strength to be a blessing to every person, to every situation, and every circumstance that they encounter. I pray for our jobs this week, from the accountants to the teachers, to those who provide care for people, for the stay-at-home moms, for, for the men that um, work construction for a living, people that sit in offices for a living. God, I just pray that you would equip them to be holy and to be a light in the world for Christ this week. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. We confess that we are yours this morning. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. At this time, the, uh, the deacons will begin preparing the table for us. And every Sunday, we, we gather together to take a meal together. We call this meal communion because it's in this moment that we commune with Christ and his love for us. The broken bread represents the broken body of Christ and the juice represents his shed blood for us. We offer this to you as the church, that it would bless you, that it would benefit you, and that it would remind you that Jesus loves you in this place. Before Christ died, he, he gathered his disciples together, and he said, as often as you gather, do this in remembrance of me. 
And so as a church, we want to offer this meal to you together. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to invite you to stand and come forward as we sing together. Jesus, we thank you for this time. And in this moment, we specifically thank you for the Lord's Supper for communion. I pray that as we consume these elements, that it would be a spiritual nourishment for our souls. I pray that it would bless us, that it would heal us, and that it would remind us of how deep your love is for us, that God, you sent your only son to die on a cross for us. And because you died for us, we now live for you. And it is in this meal that we testify to that and remember. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.